0: Not every 24-year-old can say she spent her summers off during college working for a home care services company, but our guest today can. Her name is Mikkel Hogan, and she's about to debut her first full-length play, which was inspired by her summers spent working as a caregiver at Home Instead Senior Care. Mikkel's play, called Mourning the Living, explores the toll dementia takes, not just on the person with dementia, but on the people around them, especially the caregiver. The play was chosen by a panel of veteran playwrights to be included in the upcoming Thespis Theater Festival in New York City. Mikkel is a graduate of New York University's Tisch School of the Arts, and she's a founding member of the Joust Theater Company in New York. Writer, actor, director, and singer, yes, she sings too. Mikkel Hogan, welcome to the show.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Like most people who live in New York, you're from somewhere else. Uh, So tell us about where you grew up and um, how you came to work at home instead.
1: I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska, and I came to work at Home Instead. My parents started the company and I'd always wanted to be a caregiver. I think it's in our blood to care for others. I grew up visiting nursing homes with my parents and had just a very heightened awareness of the aging population and diseases such as Alzheimer's and dementia and the impact that it has on our world, especially with that being projected the future with the baby boomer generation coming up
0: mm-hmm. and
1: starting to get older and just how much need there is for care. So I interned for the franchise office at Homestead in Omaha as an administrative assistant working mm-hmm. the front desk and did their caregiving training and would fill in caregiver shift when they needed me to, especially if like a caregiver couldn't make it out to one of their shifts, right? Uh, I'd fill in, or if if they were in a pickle, I would fill in. So it was a really great experience to learn the ins and outs of an agency that cares for seniors.
0: Wow. And why did you choose to do that instead of, say, intern with a theater company, <laughs> which is something a lot of theater majors <laughs> would do?
1: I really admire what my parents do. I think what they do for not only a service to the community, they are leaders in bringing awareness to Alzheimer's and dementia and just caring for seniors and I wanted to be a part of it because a lot of my family members are and um, I also did theater while working there. I did uh, Mm -hmm. Shakespeare on the Green in Nebraska while working and um, so that was a great experience too. I kind of got the
0: best of both worlds. Yeah. So what sort of stories did you hear in your experience?
1: So, one of the clients that I cared for, she was a dementia patient. And it was the first time I cared for someone with dementia. Mm-hmm. And even though for a dementia patient, she was pretty easy, but I found it very difficult to get her just through her daily routine of like putting in her eye drops, taking her medication, getting to do her physical exercises, getting her into the shower the only answer she would give me is like, I'll do it later. I'll do it later.
0: Uh (laughs) I've heard that. And I was like, well,
1: I can't do it later because (laughs) I have to make sure you get through this routine before your son gets back from work. So, but once I got her to put in her eye drops, it was like a small task, but it felt like a huge accomplishment because then we were able to get through the rest of the routine. And I was just kind of thinking, wow, this is probably an easy day for her son. And it was still difficult, and he's there for the good and the bad. And then I was reading more stories, and one that jumped out at me was this woman whose husband was in the late stages of early-onset Alzheimer's, and he was in a home, and she decided to start a new relationship with someone else. And I found this dynamic very interesting, she talked about how half of her family was supportive of her decision, saying, you know, you need someone to take care of your needs too and have that support and love from someone else. Mm -hmm. And her other half of the family was basically, how dare you? How could you do this to him? And that's where I drew the plot, basically, of my play, uh, just based around that decision to include someone else in her life. Mm Mm-hmm. A lot of videos that I watched about a spouse talking about taking care of their loved one with Alzheimer's, it sounds like they had, you know, a great marriage before it all settled in. And I started thinking, you know, what if it wasn't a great marriage and you would have to take care of someone who maybe if they hadn't been diagnosed, it wouldn't have worked out. And there are so many emotions that come with caregiving with someone with dementia or Alzheimer's that people are embarrassed to express, like guilt or resentment and anger and loneliness and feeling like I got dipped right. out of a full life that I would have had. And there are moments of joy within caring for someone with Alzheimer's. There are, you know, the good and the bad, and I kind of wanted to bring to light all of the emotions that come along with caring for someone. I think there's also moments of you kind of detach yourself from them and you, you start to let go and then there's a moment that they remember something and it sparks all these emotions like maybe they're getting better, maybe they're here, they're back. And then that moment disappears.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so it's just like a whirlwind of emotions. So that's what I wanted to portray in the play.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, obviously that was more than just a summer job for you. I, just getting <laughs> getting back to that, just for a moment, and we'll talk about the play mm-hmm. too. But how do you think that experience changed you? I know you were probably already sensitive to the situation going mm-hmm. into it because of how you grew up. How do you think it changed you, though? It definitely
1: sparked a passion for me I, as an artist to portray more of my my writing and what I'm interested in as far as like when I go see movies and plays
0: mm-hmm. is
1: seeing older actors on stage and being portrayed because people think being old is such a dreary thing and they don't want to think about getting old, but most people are very active in their old age and their lives are full and they have fun and It's definitely changed my perspective on that.
0: You mentioned something that I was going to ask you about, which is what films, if any, or plays where dementia is a theme, did you look at, Um, thinking about Still Alice and Away From Her? Mm -hmm. um, Did you look at any of those films, and did you want to do something really different?
1: I'm familiar with Still Alice, and I I read the book. Mm -hmm. And I had already had the play pretty much written. I had done a lot of edits, things like that. But I definitely took it in and kind of drew the similarities and differences between the stories Mm -hmm. and how still Alice is very much portraying Alice herself going through Alzheimer's and her experience. And mine's more of coming from the wife's perspective. But it's exciting for me to see Alzheimer's being more prevalent in the entertainment industry I know in New York there was a couple plays centered around it, a play called Dot and a play called The Father. So it's exciting to see that it, it's being talked about more and more.
0: Yeah. A lot of the discussion around Alzheimer's disease is centers around the person with dementia, and rightly so, given that mm-hmm. you know over 5 million people in this country live with Alzheimer's. But I like that your play gives equal, well, I haven't seen it, but from what I've read, it seems to give equal weight to the caregivers. So you're giving a voice to the caregivers, and I like that. You're not. Sounds like you're not necessarily taking sides. You're just creating more of a balance. Yeah, I would agree with that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, so d- how long did it take you to write this play? And tell us about the process, if, if you can, a little bit.
1: Yeah, I started writing it, I think, almost four years ago now. I was, uh, started writing it in a playwriting class at NYU. And after that class, I would put it aside for a while. An acting job would come up. Do the acting job, kind of let myself put it in the back of my mind so I can come back with fresh eyes and look over it again. And then I had a reading with it with my theater company and just had a discussion with them on the material, you know, what really stuck out to you, mm-hmm. things of that nature for feedback. And then I went back to edits and then I met with a couple of my teachers who. Were playwrights at NYU and Atlantic acting school mm-hmm. teachers that I had there and asked for feedback. And then I had another reading of it, I think two years ago or last year, mm-hmm. and then got more feedback from that. But basically, the essence of the play had always stayed consistent, but mm-hmm. just working different moments and what if this happens? What if this is not so cut and dry and we make it more complicated? So It was a longer process, mainly Mm -hmm. because um, acting has been my main priority. But I eventually was like, I need to work on this, and I I want this to be produced, and I want to give this an audience. So I started submitting it to different play festivals, and then it got accepted into
0: Festus. And you're producing the production as well. How has that been?
1: It's been good. definitely a learning process. It's an Actors' Equity showcase. Code production.
0: Okay, which, what does that mean for those who don't know anything Basically about it? Basically
1: it just means it's an equity production, so it's the first time I've ever had to produce something with the union attached to it, so okay. I've learned a lot about that process. Our jobs theater company has been um, pretty much a non-union production company, so definitely I've
0: learned a lot. Mm-hmm. And how many characters are in the play? Five. Five. Okay. When you were doing readings of this, did people offer up situations in their own families? And I wondered if you have any friends who are dealing with this in their family, and if you've had discussions with folks about this.
1: One of the actors has um, a family member with Alzheimer's, Mm -hmm. and he would give accounts of his own experience with it. And I think one topic when you're dealing with someone with Alzheimer's, like a loved one, And something silly happens or funny or they say something that's silly, like it's okay to laugh and like have an actual laugh about it. Because if you don't laugh about the things that are funny, it's just everything sad. And I definitely included some of those moments in the play. Another point was, so there's in my play, there's Kay, the wife of David, who has the Alzheimer's. Kay is a high school teacher.
0: Mm-hmm. And then her
1: neighbor, Mar- her name's Marie, takes care of David while she's at work. Mm-hmm. And David's relationship with Marie brings out a little bit more life in him just because she's caring for him for most of the day and it's her job to keep him stimulated. And someone said when someone has a disease, it's easier to be good friends with someone when they, they kind of know you after you've gotten the disease rather than a friend that you knew before. Oh, that's a really interesting point. So because they think point. of you as, yeah, they remember you as who you once were rather than if someone who you interact with after you've gotten the disease, they know you who you are right now, and they don't expect you to fill the shoes of who you once were.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And it kind of allows for a easier relationship between you two.
0: Right. It takes a pretty big person to kind of be steady and not get all caught up in who that person was before, if you're the partner, Mm -hmm. you know. Mm -hmm. So the situation is that David has Alzheimer's, and and Marie, his neighbor, Mm -hmm. cares for him during the day in the same way that when you were working at Home Instead, you would go and fill in for the spouse or caregiver of the person who actually lives in the home. Home Instead does Mm in-home work, right? So. Marie was filling mm-hmm. that role that you had, really, in a way. Yes. And how many summers did you do that for? for two. two. Two summers, okay.
1: Two summers, yeah.
0: Two summers. So did you have moments of frustration yourself, and did you have to kind of work through that?
1: Yeah, I would think, I, I guess, a form of frustration of the of the feeling that, okay, that tactic, tactic doesn't work. What else can I do? <laughs> and, like, once you kind of, like, are out of tactics to use <laughs> like it's almost like a moment of panic like yeah. I don't know what to do now and then you just kind of have to breathe through it and just like take a moment for yourself and try again and and then eventually something does work out that I've experienced whether it's just giving both of you some time and then trying again and with the client that I was with it was just like keep repeating the same question like how about we put in those eye drops and she's like I'll do it later and then tried that a couple of times and then talked about what was on tv for a while and then <laughs> asked her again and then she was like okay so kind you mean, of just being patient and yeah. persistent
0: so those were some skills that you learned there probably you're patient anyway but or more or less right <laughs> <laughs> yeah you, you refined definitely. those skills it sounds like I mean, it's 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 also a little bit maybe easier to do it when you're not related to the person, so you don't have as much at stake. I think, like Marie, mm-hmm. and so in your play, did you say the dynamic between David and Kay is that they were not in a good marriage to begin with, or what Kay yes, saw? Is they that, were
1: okay. the situation between David and Kay is they had a good marriage at the start, and then work became a priority for him over family. Uh huh. And also, once he got the disease, he would tend to bury himself in his work to avoid his own embarrassment and frustration, and he wouldn't let her in. So it just put a lot of strain on the relationship. I know a lot of people say, if a person with Alzheimer's accepts it and works towards having as much joy in their life and working towards keeping their memory sharp, and they want to be actively working against it it's much easier for the person caring for them. But David was a person who got frustrated and mm-hmm. didn't want to talk about it mm-hmm. and wanted to go on with his life like he, he normally would as long as he could. So it just put a lot of strain on the relationship as she was trying to care for
0: him. Hmm. Sounds like a really great play. So are your folks coming to town to see this? They are. <laughs> well, i bet they're excited. To... <laughs> they must be really proud they're of gonna... you. Yeah,
1: <laughs> they are. <laughs> yeah they're very kind they're coming to all three performances so
0: well wow, they're flying they, in from they have they ever been to new york
1: yeah they get to uh come up here they go a couple times throughout the year
0: so, <laughs> so so rumor has it that you dreamed of being an 80s teenager i read on your your uh, your website um uh, <laughs> you know, if you if you lived through that era like i did you might feel differently <laughs> but some good music did come out of it <laughs> did you ever dream yeah. did you ever dream you'd write a play about alzheimer's
1: I don't think I ever saw that for myself. (laughs) I think in Atlantic, at NYU, I trained with the Atlantic Acting School. They do a joint program at NYU with acting schools that are already existing within the city, basically. And they really strongly suggested to make your own work, that sometimes in this industry, because it is so difficult making your own work with your peers is a way to use your artistic outlet as much as you can while you know you're auditioning or mm-hmm. and not to wait for opportunities but make opportunities for yourself right and i started becoming just interested in wearing all different kinds of hats in the theater Mm -hmm. And with the Jazz Theater Company, that has been a big opportunity for me to try my hand at directing and producing and writing. And then I was interested in playwriting. So I took a couple courses at NYU. And I think I did know when we were writing in that playwriting class, that seniors would at least be a part of my play or something around that. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, you write what you know, and that's a big part of my life growing up. So I'm not I guess I'm not surprised that that's what came out of it, but um, I definitely didn't come to New York to intend on (laughs) writing plays.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That begs the question, why did you write this play, and what do you hope to achieve with it?
1: I hope to achieve creating that awareness around Alzheimer's and the ones caring for those with Alzheimer's. Probably one in maybe four people have some sort of experience or know someone with Alzheimer's or a friend who has a parent or grandparent with Alzheimer's, Mm -hmm. and that number is just going to keep increasing until almost everyone knows of someone or has a direct relationship with it. And this play kind of gives an opportunity to kind of stare it in the face and just ask questions about not only what it'd be like to have Alzheimer's and live with it, but also What would I do in this situation as a caregiver? Like even though Kay decides to take on a new relationship, it's unclear whether or not she's gonna continue in it. But at the end, I don't want the audience to blame her one way or the other, whatever decision she would end up deciding to do. Just to really understand how complex the emotions are,
0: I think that's really important because I I read a lot from caregivers about how frustrating it is for them to feel judged by people with what they're doing Mm -hmm. and the choices they're making. You know, it's really, really hard. Yeah. And if you haven't walked that walk, you just don't know how hard it is. So tell us the dates of the show and where people can go to buy tickets.
1: Yeah. So the dates are August 11th, 13th, and 14th. And so it's a theater festival, so the times are kind of random. Right. But August 11th, it shows at 9 p.m. August 13th, it shows at 1 p.m. And then August 14th, it shows at 6 p.m.
0: Okay. And if you live in New York, where can folks go to get tickets? Or online, even?
1: Yeah, so it's at brownpapertickets.com. It's like a long URL. But if they go to Facebook and search for Morning the Living, they can get the ticket link on the Facebook page.
0: Okay. So for folks who are listening to this, tonight is the night. August 11th, if you're in New York and you want to see a refreshing new play, this is the one to see. Mikkel, what happens after the weekend long run? Any chances that the play will travel?
1: I hope so. I hope the gets picked up to be taken somewhere else might look into Omaha as another place
0: for it to go up. You'd have a huge audience there. I think in, you know, the heartland, it strikes such a huge chord and it's such a hot mm. issue right now. Yeah. You know, I, I wish you all the, the best with this. And good for you for taking it mm. on. Is there anything else that I left out that you'd like to add before we take off?
1: I think we covered it all. And I think you're so right about caregivers and how they get frustrated because it can very much be a burden. And I think loneliness is a huge that caregivers experience it's easily to get depressed if you're not actively seeking community and for those who know know caregivers who are caring for someone it would be great just to check in with them offer to provide care for a few hours Send them, you know, latest research on Alzheimer's or any kind of new apps that are involved with caring for someone. There's a lot that we can do to help support caregivers in our world.
0: Mikhail Hogan, she's the writer and producer of Mourning the Living, a play whose time has come. It's being presented at the Hudson Guild Theater in New York City as part of the Thespis Theater Festival, August 11, August 13 and august 14 we'll have all kinds of links on our website to the show mikhail thanks so much for being on the podcast and best of luck with morning the living oh
1: thank you thank <laughs> you so much for having me on your podcast
0: take care bye-bye all
1: right. you too bye
0: that's it for today thanks for joining us The AgeWise podcast is produced and edited by me, Jana Panaritis, and you can listen to the show and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The AgeWise podcast is also distributed on the nationally syndicated Speak Up Talk Radio Network, the 24-7 streaming and on-demand network that's always on for you. And don't forget to check out our website for more amazing caregiving stories from the field. Go to agewise.com, that's A G E W Y Z, and find out how you can be a guest on the show. Remember, every caregiver has a story. I want to hear yours.